Welcome to Higher Potential with Indeed. Indeed's new 2022 DNI report has just gone live. It's one of the most comprehensive studies into DNI issues in Australian workplaces. Click the link in this episode's description to get your free copy. A welcoming workplace is built from the ground up with attention to diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and openness. But the way many leaders and companies approach this is often full of grey areas, uncertainty, and quite possibly fear. High Potential with Indeed is here to help demystify the process through the most powerful channel possible, conversations. Groundbreaking ones too. I'm your new host, Kathy Ngo, diversity, equity, and inclusion changemaker and presenter. I've spent over a decade in HR, corporate affairs, and communications, but I'm most passionate about pushing the boundaries relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion. In this podcast series, we'll tackle the issues we face in the modern workplace, from diversity and inclusion to remote working, accessibility, fair hiring practices, and more. This podcast is an initiative of Indeed.com, the world's number one job site with over 250 million unique visitors every month from over 60 different countries. Before we dive in, I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are meeting today and to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. It's easy to understand why celebrating non-secular holidays like Christmas, Hanukkah or Ramadan in the workplace is important to creating a truly inclusive and welcoming work environment. Especially when Indeed's new 2022 DNA report found that there has been an 18% increase in the number of workers in Australia who feel the need to hide part of their identities at work since 2020. But with minority groups more likely to have personally experienced discrimination in the workplace than the average of all workers in Australia, it's important that organisations take into consideration the potential negative impacts of celebrating religious holidays in the workplace. In this episode, we explore how organisations can celebrate different religious and cultural holidays in the workplace in a way that is inclusive, welcoming and not discriminatory or offensive. Today, we are joined by Chantelle Williams, Group Learning and Development Manager and Diversity and Inclusion Lead at Michael Hill to help us understand how to celebrate holidays in a more positive way. Welcome, Chantelle. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. And I love holidays. I love this topic. But first of all, can you please share with our listeners what your role involves? Because it sounds like a real exciting dual role of L&D and also diversity and inclusion. Tell us more about it. Thank you so much. Yes, my name is Chantelle. Uh, My pronouns are she and her, and I am the group global learning and development manager at Michael Hill. And I've recently been appointed um, the DE&I lead role as well. So my team is really cool. My team is a bunch of 
amazing learning and development professionals who span New Zealand, Australia and Canada. And look, they've really matured and the work that we've done has matured a lot over the last two years as I've been on board to align our work to the strategy um, of our company's five-year aspirational brand. So it's a great role to be in because Michael Hill has anywhere between two and a half to three and a half thousand team members at any point in the year. And we're really proud of the way that we mark the moments in people's lives through the products that we sell. But I guess a lot of those moments are aligned to holidays. So this is a really cool topic to be talking about. So the work that we do for our organization really does serve to improve the overall effectiveness of our organization, but also to manage the behaviors and I guess the cultural aspect of the people that we have within our organization as well. And we have a lot of systems built into our organization to further implement change. So my team is a part of all of that. But I guess DEI is a piece that's really close to my heart and it's really new for Michael Hill. So we're really at the cusp of doing some amazing things. We started our DEI strategy just before COVID hit. So we had all these grand plans of what we were going to do and then we all took a bit of a pause in the world. But now that we're getting into our new normal, we've started the ball rolling again, definitely with the committee and our strategies that we've got at Michael Hill. And we're thinking about ways to really celebrate all of the diversity and and the commitment about all of our team members to embrace thinking about us as real people in a real and authentic way rather than just at the surface level. So the work that we're doing at the moment centres around embracing a lot of cultural differences, sexuality of our team members, accessibility requirements, neurodiversity and gender equality. So the list is a really long one, but we've chosen to to make this a priority at Michael Hill and especially for me. So first of all, congratulations on your new remit. Um, It's really exciting. So you touched on a bit earlier about how DNI is close to your heart. Can you share a little bit maybe a story or why it's so close to your heart? Yeah, sure. I have come from a very privileged background and I'm really thankful for being in the position that I am, not only at Michael Hill, but in life. But I am a a woman of colour in a professional world. And so I'm conscious of the people around me and making sure that those around me have the same opportunities that I do to excel. In addition to that, I have a beautiful neurodiverse son who I'm passionate about advocating for his rights and his education and making sure that we all bring our best selves to whatever situation that we're in and we can all excel. It's close to my heart for many reasons, but I I want everyone to have an even go and be their true selves wherever they are. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that, Chantelle. You also touched on uh, how Michael Hill is about holidays. Like when we buy gifts, it's like Mother's Day, it's Christmas or Easter, that sort of thing, which is like, that's so correct. So the topic of this um, podcast episode is obviously about holidays, celebrating holidays and whether it's discriminatory or inclusive. So what are some of the arguments in favour of workplaces celebrating religious and cultural holidays, do you think? Kathy, I think you touched on a great point before. You love holidays. I love holidays. Uh, retail love holidays. Everyone does. It's a great time to sell. It's a great time to be a part of the moments that matter for people around us. And I think everyone does love to celebrate them. There's a lot of arguments in favour of celebrating holidays. But I think in addition to that, recognising and embracing that diversity in the workplace helps staff feel really valued in their qualities and their ideas and perspectives in recognising that staff may wish to celebrate culturally important or religious days that are important to them 
everyone doesn't have the same holidays throughout the year. I think it's important to ask people what's really important to them and we'll, we can dig into that in a bit of detail later. But we've talked about at surface level celebrating all sorts of holidays, not just Christmas, uh, Easter, as you mentioned. Valentine's Day is a huge one for us, even though it's not an actual holiday, but so many people do celebrate it. There's ones that we don't even think about. Lunar New Year, Diwali, Ramadan, Nidoc Week. There's so much to celebrate. And I think really embracing those celebrations of cultural or religious holidays benefits the whole workplace. So I guess also in my role and thinking about my role in an organisational development perspective as well, we really do think a lot about our employees' increase in job satisfaction and workplace culture and morale as well. And when you think about productivity levels, you know, when people are happy and engaged and feeling like their workplace cares for them, it's an easy thing to give back to your workplace. There's also a real sense of belonging and mutual respect between colleagues and and organisations if we're talking about arguments in favour of celebrating all sorts of holidays. When employers are attentive to recognising and accommodating their employees' religious and cultural traditions and beliefs, I think that level of engagement and retention definitely increases. It's difficult to not see the the positives when you talk about celebrating everybody's holidays and what what they care about. So I I love celebrating other people's holidays, even though I don't celebrate it because it allows me to really understand how they celebrate it, like what they do, what's their, their cultural Um, norms, that sort of thing. So for example, Ramadan, I have a lot of Muslim friends. And when I was growing up, it was just fascinating to see how much of a celebration, all the food, everything, the house decorations. It was like amazing to to witness. And I, I love seeing all of that. But not everyone is like you and I. I'm sure there are some people out there who are like, I'm not Muslim. Why should we acknowledge Ramadan in the workplace? Or I'm not Christian, why should we celebrate Christmas or acknowledge Christmas in the workplace? From a diversity and inclusion perspective, are there any common arguments that you see against workplaces celebrating religious and cultural holidays? Well, I'm really lucky, I think, in this way where we think about, and you mentioned Ramadan, and that's a really interesting one because it was just Ramadan not long ago. And we got some really interesting feedback from some of our team members as I said before, we've just started this great new path of DEI at Michael Hill, and we took some time to really educate our team members and embrace and celebrate Ramadan for our Muslim team members. But the feedback, a lot of it was positive, but we got some really interesting feedback to go, that's awesome that you're celebrating Ramadan, but what about me? Or what about my religion or my culture? So I think there's a risk of celebrating some, but not all. And that was a really interesting thing to me to go, my goodness, we, while we're trying to be as inclusive as we can right now, by including some people, we're definitely not including everybody. So that's a definite risk that became very apparent to me that it's really important to do a lot of listening and do a lot of asking so that you, you don't miss anyone out. And that's the fear I think that I have, that when we start celebrating holidays and start embracing culturally diverse holidays that we have for all our team members and especially being in a global organization, there are a lot, but my fear is that we'll miss someone. So that's a big one for me. 
And when we talk about Christmas holidays or work holidays, we immediately think of Christmas parties or that was one of the things that I thought. But you're right. The fact is not everyone celebrates those. Even removing the connotation of Christmas and in Christmas parties and changing that to end of year celebrations or we've also got Easter, we've got Halloween, we've got all sorts of things. But you're right. They can absolutely make some people feel uncomfortable or offended or not included. So that's definitely a risk to be aware of or an argument against celebrating religious events or dates in the calendar. Yeah, so I don't know how many religions we have in the world. That should have been something I Googled beforehand because <laughs> now I'm curious. <laughs> I'm like, ah, you support two and a half to 3,000 employees. Is that correct? Yes. So there's bound that to be correct. like so many different types of religions and cultural celebrations that maybe one out of 50 would celebrate. And realistically, it is challenging uh, to celebrate everything. So you're the head of DNI at Michael Hill yeah. and you're a you know small team in comparison to the 3,000 employees. How can mm. we raise that awareness of these kind of other celebrations that are in place? Is it more about empowering our retail managers to have those conversations about what's important? I think the first thing that we need to do, and we're definitely on the road to doing so, but is to gather some data. So I also don't know how many world religions we have, but the the scary thing is that I don't know every religion that every person in our organization is affiliated with or is connected to. So the first thing that's, you know, on my radar to do is to improve our methodology of systems so that we can really ask people, you know, what culture they are, what language they speak, what holidays they celebrate, what religion they are, and not from a prying perspective. And I think it's another tricky one where you have to be really aware of privacy concerns and people want to know what you're going to use the data for. So being really true and authentic in the reasons that you're asking for that data, but it is quite important to ask and to gather that information before you know what you're going to celebrate and what you're going to do. But you brought up a great point of education and that has been a resounding applause that we've gotten. And we are only a small team that look after diversity and inclusion at Michael Hill, but our main way forward at the moment is education. And you're right, from a young age celebrating or or viewing Ramadan in, in your friends and in your communities, it's just nice to be part of that. But as you grow and age and mature, finding out more about the why and why it's important and what makes people tick is really the gold in that. So during Ramadan, we put out a bit of an educational pack, a bit of a PowerPoint for our team members and our team leaders to run through. And it took people through, you know, what is Ramadan? Why do people celebrate? What's at the end of this? And just gave a really interesting insight to our Muslim team members. And they were so grateful that someone was taking the time to understand them in a little bit more detail, because obviously that makes an impact on the way that they work as well. They don't eat for a period of time during the day. So how are you scheduling meetings that are appropriate for our Muslim team members? How are you allocating them time to to do what they need to do through the day and still being respectful while getting a commercial outcome because we're, we're in retail and that's what we're here to do, but in a really inclusive and supportive way of our team. Yeah, and I also think um, because Michael Hill is in the retail industry, it's all about the customer, isn't it? So even though you don't um, necessarily celebrate the religion or cultural celebrations, your customers are. I think it's a great conversation starter just to learn more about them. 
I don't know about you, but when I go shopping and someone really genuinely wants to know about me and that sort of thing, I get really excited because it's like, oh, you actually care. It's nice. Yeah. It's a different experience that you have. And you're right. You'll go back to that place when they genuinely want to know about you. So that's something we try to emulate for our our team. And I can imagine buying jewellery. It's such a emotional experience. It's a gift and it's not necessarily something small. It's cost a lot of money to buy jewellery. It's not something that you necessarily buy every day and it's like a special moment. So you know how we talked about how many religions there are in the world? You googled? Yes I did. (laughs) It's 10,000 distinct religions in the world. Goodness me, 10,000. Yep, so there we go. So for It makes me feel very small, doesn't it? It's a great thing. Yeah, it just means that we've got our whole lifetime to learn more and more and more. <laughs> Chantelle, you touched on educational sessions before with Ramadan and the whole educational pack. What are some of the other ways that organisations can help to celebrate these religious and cultural holidays? You talked about jewellery being such an emotional purchase and it is, it's emotive. There's always something behind the reason that you're in a jewellery shop to purchase and whether that's for yourself or for a loved one, there's a commonality in that purchase, but there's also commonalities in amongst our team members across Michael Hill. So what we really try to do is we try to celebrate the commonalities that bring us together as a team, because that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, we're a team there to achieve a common goal. But in that team, we're made up of a diverse group of individuals. And that's the important part. And what I'm really trying to hone in on with our teams is it's really important to celebrate the commonalities that make us one, but we have the space to share our differences and we're open to sharing those differences. And having those conversations is always a good thing in a respectful and open way. And sometimes that is a change in perspective or a change in understanding or a complete change in mindset um, in the way that we approach other people in our lives. But that's, I guess, the first step in best practice if we're talking about ways to really allow our teams to get on board with thinking about different holidays and cultural occasions. What we also try to do at Michael Hill, and it's part of our values as well, is we have a workplace and we've committed to a workplace where people and every team member is has freedom, is respected, and there's integrity in the way that we talk to each other and our customers as well. So it's super important. And I don't think it really matters what approach you take to encouraging that diversity in the workplace. And there will always be someone who doesn't want to celebrate something and someone who wants to celebrate something completely different. And that's okay too, but it's all about just that respect and healthy conversation and that you can leave that conversation understanding each other's perspectives. I think this conversation is never about anyone being right or wrong. It's just about that equal level of respect and understanding and compassion for each other and the societies that we live in. Also, when we talk about best practice, I think we can be really conscious about scheduling important events or meetings or parties or any of those things on days that don't interfere with major religious holidays. So it's important to be clear on the calendar. And that's something that we're clear and conscious of at Michael Hill is not scheduling things over the top of important religious or cultural periods. Probably not across the 10,000 religions that we have, but we hope to get the top ones that we have most of our team members who identify as those religions. And also understand that people might want to take time off and that's okay. And I know that people might want to take time off in the time that's important to them. 
having that flexibility and flexible policies in place to support your employees. If they, if we don't, I guess, in organisations have a specific flexibility policy, then think about building that in. And post-pandemic, there's so much that's been talked about hybrid work environments and flexibility in the workplace that I think we're really silly to not think that from a cultural perspective, that's not just as important. So I think that's something that we can be really clear on and be at the forefront of our minds of flexibility, sharing differences, having those company-wide guidelines and policies and leading from the top down. So you touched on flexibility and just allowing for people to celebrate their own holidays when they want to, which I am all for. So at the moment in Australia, Christmas and Easter are public holidays. So how Mm. does this impact the conversation around celebrating other religious or cultural holidays? I think this is a massive part of the conversation because whether we like it or not, we're governed by that's a public holiday. And I think in some industries there is flexibility in that, like within our retail land, and that's the world that I'm in, a public holiday is a public holiday and shops are closed. So in that way, there's not a huge lot of flexibility that we can say, people who don't celebrate Christmas, you know, you're free to work on those days. There are constraints that we work within for sure. But I know there are plenty of other industries where there's flexibility. They're they're 24-7 industries where you'd be much more likely to have people that don't celebrate Christmas or don't choose to uh, take that time off to be able to be rostered on those days. And those who would like to celebrate Christmas in whatever way that they would like. You know, we are in Australia, Kathy, but those dates across New Zealand, we've got different cultural holidays there and Canada we're really conscious of too. I think the main thing is is opening the conversation. To, for me to be able to say to my leader, hey, I really need this week off because I celebrate X or I'd really like that day off because I celebrate Y and that be okay. I think it's just about having that open conversation and, and knowing that it's okay to celebrate different things and need different time off, non-dependent on what you celebrate. Agreed. So do you think it should be an additional leave or should it be taken out of maybe their annual leave? (laughs) Yeah, I would love to see another leave box, another leave tick and for organisations to perhaps build that into their leave types. So we've got a a leave type at Michael Hill at the moment that's a community service leave. So if I wanted to volunteer for a day, I would go in and take community service leave uh, and that's that's a a welcomed part of the organisation. When you've got personal leave, perhaps that's used for personal reasons, but annual leave can be used how you want it. I, I think that's a really difficult one and I don't think we're there yet in terms of whether it's cultural or religious leave because then you've got team members who don't celebrate any culture or any religion. So how can organisations ensure their celebrations of religious holidays are culturally appropriate? So for example, how can they celebrate these holidays in a way that is inclusive and doesn't offend or make anyone uncomfortable? Well, like you, Kathy, I, I, I love a holiday and we I think we're really clear on that, but I, I don't think there's any reason for everyone to not be celebrating. So the feedback that we've received really loudly from our team members is that they're keen to they're keen to celebrate. Everyone loves a party, everyone loves a holiday, and while we don't necessarily all take time off, I think that's not a necessarily a reason for us to not celebrate different sorts of cultural holidays as as they come up in the calendar. I don't think it even is stuck to the office. We've talked about hybrid working over the last little bit, but 
I think the great thing that's come out of COVID, if anything, is that people are no longer tied to a hierarchy within an office. People aren't in their little corner office or at their desk and being at home, you know, it's not uncommon for there to be a dog barking or a child crying or for you to see people's homes. And I think what that's really allowed us to do is become much more humanistic and see each other on the same level rather than I'm in my corporate clothes and I am in my office. And not only does that allow us to see my C-suite maybe have children and pets and things like that, but it allows us to take a view into their real lives. And if they're celebrating a different sort of holiday, it really allows another chance to open up that conversation about who they are as people. So I don't think our celebrations need to be tied to the office. I think they can, you know, really be opened up to all of us at work and in life. And those lines are very blurred now. Yeah, that's great advice because Sometimes when we think about, oh, yeah, it's something strictly needs to be business and then (laughs) your home life is home life or personal life. What the pandemic has shown us is like just the lines are are blurred and it's just like a mix of everything. The final question we always end every episode of Higher Potential with Indeed is what will it ultimately take to ensure a better and more inclusive workplace in the future? There's a lot of work to do, Kathy, but I think there's a lot of things that we can do to move the needle on this one. And fostering that inclusive workplace is a really evolving process um, and it requires consistent investment across all levels of of an organisation. So we talked a lot about education today, but I think every business's DNI training and their goals and strategies, they have to continue to develop to reflect the ever-changing needs of your workforce, but not only your workforce, your customer base, and that's really important to us here at Michael Hill. Ensuring that DE&I is a priority for your key leaders in your business and making sure that those policies and strategies are implemented and that there's adequate training opportunities for everyone in the organisation is key. Allowing those events and occasions for all team members to true to show their true and authentic self is important. And we've got to really build that in specifically. We can't just let it happen because if we just assume that it's going to happen, it it won't happen. We've got to build in the systems and processes to allow people to come forward. I think inclusion in the workplace is it's more than just changing labels and titles. It's really about building that true understanding and awareness of traditions and beliefs of others around us. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Chantelle, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Higher Potential with Indeed. Before you go and start building a better workplace, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast helpful. If you'd like to read our full DNI report, click the link in this episode's description and fill out the form. Just a quick note, the views and opinions expressed in this episode by the guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Indeed. Additionally, the information in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all content we discuss is for general informational purposes only, and you should consult with a legal professional for any legal issues you may be experiencing.